the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. What is going on? Welcome to the program. What a good week. Lots happening. God, I am about to, uh, when you guys are listening to this, I will already be in the air, traveling to Las Vegas, heading out west. I'm so excited for this trip, but I'm not gonna lie bringing Nora, who is almost one years old, one year old, one years old, one years old. Yes. Um, bringing her in a flight for four hours. I'm not going to lie is a little bit stressful, but I think it'll be fine. Oh my gosh. Everybody thoughts and prayers that I'm not that person with like this screaming kid on the plane. But I'm really excited for this trip. I can't wait. We're heading out. Uh, Double or Nothing, of course, is happening May 29th over at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I'm so excited to get back to like my old stomping ground, see some pals, go hang out, see the shows. I also just love being at shows that are on the West Coast. They're being broadcast on the East Coast. So they start early. They end early. Let me tell you how freaking happy that makes me. I love, love, love it. Um, so yeah, cannot wait for that. I've got like a little two-week stint out west. And we're going to be doing some uh, recordings out there as well. On Thursday, I'm going to have Tony Storm with me. We're going to be jumping in some studios, the Blue Wire studios over at the Wynn. Um, so I'm really looking forward to being able to interview her in person and, and have that little chit-chat with that little lass. Should be really cool. Um, anyways, so today's episode is me and Sam Roberts. Him and I go back, of course, to our time in WWE doing panels together. He's a cool dude. Love Sam. Love hanging out with him. And what a like great little empire I feel like he's built for himself. Having a studio at home. He's got his XM show with Jim Norton. This dude just like does not stop working. Consistency is key. I mean, he's obviously very good at what he does as well. But I look at what he does and... I can't help but just admire his like body of work. It's really, really impressive. It's so cool uh, what all he's been able to accomplish and the things that he's done. All right, without further ado, here's Sammy Brands, baby. Dude, first of all, it's really great to see you. Second of all, you look like a million bucks. You look great. Thank you. I don't really acknowledge the Sam that you worked with, Sam with hair. I don't understand how anybody ever afforded him an opportunity. I don't like him. Uh, I wish he never existed because, yeah, no hair, Sam. I'm in full support of. Isn't it funny how, like, when you when we, like, gradually, like, evolve as humans and we, like, find our look in the thing, and you're like, what was I doing with this thing before? I've got many versions of those, and I'm like, who's this chick? Yeah, and I, I feel like I'm very close, like closer than I've ever been to achieving my final form. Like, not like, hey, here's my look. Here's, this is what I do. I'm the guy with the big hair. It's like, no, no, no. This, we're almost, almost at the final form. What do you think the final pieces are? What are we looking to really just shift into place? I don't know, because like, you know, 
if five years ago, I wouldn't have told you, you know, I'm going to adopt the Triple H aesthetic, but, you know. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I adopted the Triple H aesthetic, and I was, and by the way, he was like, <laughs> when he was at uh, uh, the first NXT thing that I did with a shaved head, he was like, hey, man, like the haircut. Big <laughs> improvement. <laughs> <laughs> but even like Hunter, when you see Hunter, like with, I mean, when you, you know, when you see like Hunter Hearst Helms, you see him as Triple H, you see him with the hair, like that's one thing. But like I met Hunter like on a personal level at the shaved head version. So like that to me is Hunter. When I imagine him with hair and I'm like, what? It freaks me out. Yeah, I met him when he had hair. I met Ponytail hunter way back in like radio days and stuff like that okay but that perplexes me too right because i feel like he has also achieved final form where it's like this is this is what graduated hunter who's like an executive and this like really smart creative guy like this is who he is but also people with immaculate hairlines that then shave their head i feel like i've got a lot of questions yeah, because he wasn't balding or anything, right? Like, he's got a really nice head of hair. When he first cut his long hair and he just had, like, the really short hair but still had hair, it was like there was not even any spots. There was there was nothing. Like, there was not even any indicators that something was going to go wrong. It's just a, it's a pure choice, which is even stronger, I think. I agree. Yeah, because he wasn't pushed to do this. This was not, uh, we're grasping at straws. What's my next move going to be? He just went for it. But I also... I also I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I realized that you started by complimenting me and I somehow weaved us into, can we talk about how handsome Triple H is for a while? Because what a guy. <laughs> he really knows how to wear a suit. He's got a great look, a, like a great amount of tan. Let's just make this a, a, an episode dedicated to Hunter. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> okay, well, hey, while we're talking about it, how weird is the Steph stuff? Really weird. It's It's like... It's one of those things that, you know, everybody off guard, totally off guard. Everybody starts reaching out to everybody going like, what have you heard? Like I've had people who work every day at WWE going like, so what have you heard about this? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's hilarious that you're asking me. (laughs) I read the tweet like everybody else. That's all I got. Exactly. And I think that's how everybody's reacting. Wrestling is just at such a, such a really interesting evolutionary place right now like there's really no telling what this thing is going to look like a year five years ten years from now so how different does it feel from like okay so from when you started and you've done you know a bunch of different things in wwe from like us doing panels together you've been able to do the panels at nxt uh we'll use like nxt i guess for this like from because nxt has changed so much in the last little while, how different is it when you go down there and are working on those shows? It's interesting because the day-to-day doesn't really change that much. You know, I mean, it's 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 such a machine and everybody knows what they do and does what they do so well. It's just like, okay, here are the orders. Here's what we're doing now. Let's go to work. So sure. like the day-to-day doesn't change, but the vibe, it's certainly like, you know, and I, I'm only there for the premium live events. You know, I'm not there week to week your top dollar sam exactly yeah they couldn't afford (laughs) me every week come on (laughs) but but it is it's very much like it's it's sort of this vibe of of figuring out because it's also new it's like figuring out what this is going to be still and 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 where this fits in and also who's gonna pop up from this you know like where's the cream gonna rise Wrestling has really always been kind of the same for so long. Even when things are changing, it always reverts back to what it has been, where now it feels like it really is making this shift that's pretty drastic. And like, yeah, what of that is going to stick as well in terms of like what works, um, how like, you know, on the production side of things, the talent side of things. Yeah, it's got to be really weird for especially people that have been there for a while that have already had their footing in like one way of how things work to now like, wait, what am I doing here? Who's looking over my shoulder? Oh my God, I'd be so stressed out the whole time. Yeah, I mean, think about just as a fan, like it's scary. Like people, like wrestling fans, probably more so than any other thing, 
can really tend to base their lives around being fans of wrestling that they grew up on and they watch it and it looks a certain way and it feels a certain way and change gets really, really scary on all levels, right? People hate it. Oh my God. They hate it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, wrestling has been the constant for so many people. There's no off seasons. There's no downtime. I mean, it is constantly this machine that's going. Yeah, gosh. We should bring in some fans and ask them what they think. Um, We'll save that for another episode. (laughs) Football fans, check out the three and out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip. John has you covered. Download three and out with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. Your set looks great. I talked to you as soon as I was leaving WWE and I was like, how do I build a home studio? I've not gotten that far in terms of the aesthetic, (laughs) but I, I, I have a nice microphone and the equipment is nice, but I need to like guzzy it up in here uh, a lot more. I had really cool wallpaper at one point, but then I moved. I don't have an iota of what you have going on over there. Yeah. I forgot about the move. The Vegas wallpaper was like perfect. I mean, I'm glad there's a house plant. It's not even real. I didn't think so. No, God, no, it's up on the third floor. I only come up here when I'm working. I'm not bringing water up here. Are you kidding me? Well, there's a bathroom over there, but still, it's not happening. You have to be careful, though, because, like, I also find that when people are trying to build the aesthetic out, everybody sees, like, how one person does it. Like, everybody saw Joe Rogan put, like, wood paneling behind him, and then everyone went out and bought really cheap wood paneling and just tried to do, like, a really inexpensive version of what his looks like. It's like people jumping on the Chip and Joanna um, shiplap. Everybody wants their shiplap. Yes. And it's like, yeah, we, we built this when I'm when we moved in. So like four or five years ago, something like that. Like it was just a basement. And that was a big part about moving into a house from an apartment was, you know, building a studio. I mean, there happened to be a pandemic. It came in real handy. But just for whatever, right? Just, you know, I, I want to be able to record in a real place. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a, a beast that's, that's been living and growing and, and new things are getting added all the time. But yeah, yeah, I'm really, uh, I love it down here. Like you really have built this like beast of a machine. You're on doing everything. How when like it's I, like I kind of get to the, I mean, I don't jump on like you do. You do a lot of like live reacts. Um, you have your podcast. You've got your you know, you have your serious. You do serious from the studios. We're back in the studio now. We were home for like a year and a half. But yeah, we're back in every day. Do you ever feel like almost this like weird pull that your studio is in the house of like this? I have to go jump on and record stuff or like I have to like make use of this or like reacting to things that are so topical. Yeah, it certainly eliminates excuses when the idea strikes of like like you see something that inspires you or you're watching something. You're like, oh, I could do a show about this. I could do that. You go, well, if I can, I can, like, I literally can't, not I could theoretically, but I could just go downstairs and figure this out. Um, yeah, it eliminates that sort of barrier of, well, yeah, but I'm not going to drive over here, or I'm not going to call somebody up, or I'm not, like, I also built this so that I could run it myself entirely. Like, every, all the, there's, like, a camera switcher on my desk. There's, like, everything can be done by me. So it really was, I mean, to eliminate any sort of excuse of timing. Like if I'm doing an interview with somebody or whatever, I go like, you tell me what time works for you. I'll be here. That is super convenient. That's nice for me to be able to hop up here too and just be like, all right, whatever your schedule is, I can make that work pending whatever's going on with my baby. But generally, yes, I can make that work. Um, And you've really mastered the art of just like doing the one man show. I mean, you talk about like having the switchers and like all like the production side of things, but even just like talent wise to flip on your camera and start talking and it doesn't feel like someone is just like spewing information at you. Like you have a really good pacing and timing with what you do. How long did it take you to kind of figure that out? Because that is not an easy formula to do. I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely like it was a concerted effort over years. You know, when I was 
producing for Opie and Anthony and working behind the scenes and just kind of jumping on on the air as like a an on-air personality or whatever, you know, I, I always wanted to host shows like, you know, and I, I was always pretty clear about that. I was not, I wasn't like a behind the scenes guy who fell into it. It was, it was kind of my goal from the beginning. And, you know, before, like in college, I was doing, you know, like a, like college radio shows by myself and everything and just figuring out kind of how one does this. Um, but, you know, I, I recorded a lot. I started recording a lot of podcasts that I mean, didn't really have any listeners, but I was doing them by myself and I tried to make myself do it every week. And the exercise was to just get comfortable figuring out in advance, okay, this is what I want to talk about. These are the stories I want to tell. This is the angle to have and, and be able to go and know what it feels like to talk for 30 minutes or an hour or know, you know, what kind of content it's going to take to fill that time and, and, you know, what's comfortable. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. It's just repetition, repetition, repetition to the point where, yeah, you just put so much out there that you're not even thinking about like, oh, did I do that right? Did I do that? Because you're moving on to the next thing. That's the nice thing of not having time to like dwell on things. It's like whatever, on to the next, on to another show. It's not a one, like doing one thing and being like, holy shit, waiting for the reaction, reaction to like, I always live by the you're only as good as your last show. So as long as you can move on, if you did something you hated, whatever, we'll pick it up in the next show and and fix things. Um, How different was it for you when you started coming in and doing stuff with WWE and now working in that different environment? You're not at home. You're not at the XM studios, but like stepping into like more of like that TV side of things and in like a pretty like pressure cooker situation of like it's always live everyone's always kind of watching, paying attention. How was that for you? I mean, aside from me, obviously guiding you so graciously. Yeah. I had one of the great (laughs) mentors of this or any generation (laughs) in the former Renee Young. I am the the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. Yes. And Booker T. Booker Booker. T was right there, was right there (laughs) with you. Um, I mean, it's all, all like, it's just, it's just learning from every instance, like I came in going like, I don't know why they would ask me to do this, except I've known Michael Cole for a while and he just finally threw me a bone, but whatever, (laughs) like I'm coming in and I'll do it. And if I do it wrong, they'll tell me and I'll try, if I get another opportunity, I'll try not to do it wrong again. And I mean, like, you know, I remember when we went to, you were there when we were in Stanford and we were doing like a pre, uh, like a fake pre-show before I did a real pre-show just to kind of get a feel for it. And like the first thing I did was go like, oh yeah, this person is so athletic in the ring and blah, blah, blah. And Michael Mansuri, another uh, incredible human being. Yes, Mike was like, hey dude, that was cool. But like, you've never been in the ring. I'm like, no, I know. And he's like, so how would you know, you know, the athleticism of in the ring and stuff like that? Like you need to speak from your perspective. And I was like, got it. Which is huge. It's actually like as much as that is like sounds like an easy note of like, okay, just take the direction you're given. But to like actually take that and process that and like switch the things that you're talking about, especially when prior to you, like when you and Rosenberg came in and you guys were kind of brought in to like give that fan perspective it's a really fine line to walk of like, yes, giving the fan perspective, but also you're still working for WWE. So it's like, it's a really weird hat to kind of wear and figure out what that line was. And it had never been done. It was just, you know, Rosenberg and I had been kind of, you know, going parallel paths. We'd known each other forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) The ultimate rivals of all time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just a loathing and contempt for each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. And it was both of us kind of figuring it out. And I kind of love like looking at us now. Cause I think we're, we do it so differently now. It, you know, it took a couple years, I think, but we both kind of figured out how to land it in a very kind of organic way. That's natural and, and true to ourselves. And that's like, that was what Mansuri and Michael Cole and people like that were like, so helpful and supportive of doing is reminding me and I think they did the same for Rosenberg but I know reminding me that like you're here to be you we brought you in to be you don't try to be like an announcer that you've seen on tv don't try to be a wwe personality just come in 
be you. That's why you're here. And there's a lot of imposter syndrome at first. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a crazy For real. Yeah. Right. I'm sure, you know, it's a crazy thing to be like, yeah, we just want you to be yourself. And I'm like, but like anybody can be themselves. Why would I'm not qualified to be myself? <laughs> like are you crazy and you kind of, you kind of just have to move past it, I guess. Well, how weird was that when you guys started though? And for somebody for like you, who's been like a lifelong fan, you know, the ins and outs of wrestling from the fan perspective, you kind of have, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on on the inside of WWE. I mean, as dumb as it is, I'm sure you must have been being blown up on like Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, like on social media, people being like, wait, I want to do this. Like, why am I not getting this chance to do what Sam's getting to do? Were you getting a lot of that? Yeah, I mean, and not so directly, right? Like, I mean, you know, a lot of hate, you know, hate. fucking haters. Yeah, yeah, the, the haters, <laughs> some, you know, it's jealousy, right? Like you can yeah. read into it and you can see like, like, uh, like, you know, you go like, oh, Sam sucks. He shouldn't be there. And you click on the thing and like, there's their YouTube link and their podcast link and their, yeah. and their profile. And I'm like, you could just ask me for advice. Let's have a friendship instead. And yeah, maybe that would, you know, pan out better for you than screaming into the abyss. Yeah. But, and you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of that, but here's the thing, you know, a lot of people are like, Hey, I could come in and uh, fill that Sam Roberts role. And it's like. Like, sorry, honey, there's only one Sam Roberts, you know? Yeah, honey. Back it up, honey. Not going to work. And 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 the thing about me, too, I don't give up my seat too easy. <laughs> no, <laughs> he does around. not. I stick around. The talons are firmly <laughs> in place. Everybody back up. But, I mean, God, you you have been in there for, like, quite some time now. Like, I mean, when I feel like I had not even been there all that long prior to you coming in and joining those panels. So... It's been a minute of you doing that. Why do you think it's so difficult to strike that balance of bringing in broadcasters? I mean, WWE, they've got, you know, whether it's a former talent that then steps in to be a broadcaster and there's times that that works amazingly. Um, They obviously get the job. They understand how to talk about the ins and outs of the business. But for somebody that's not, I feel like that's such a weird spot sometimes for WWE because they want to bring in a broadcaster that has their own credibility already, but it's really hard to find somebody that really understands and loves professional wrestling. So if you don't love professional wrestling, I caramba, it can be real sticky. Well, yeah. And I, and I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you have to love it and you have to love it regardless of whether you're there or not. You can't, it's tough to grow to love it. I think probably in very unique situations, there are certain people that have been able to get that love finally get there but like wrestling is such a unique form of storytelling and when you're when you're doing it from the broadcasting side it's like this combination of sports broadcasting storytelling and salesmanship that you're doing kind of all three at once you're having to figure out the delicate balance of telling these stories and and not not maybe, you know, accidentally burying somebody at the wrong time or making sure that this person's still on the pedestal that they need to be on or, or you know, everybody's kind of playing their part in this, this large mechanism to tell stories. And, and, and I think it can sometimes take a long time to figure out, okay, what's my part in telling this story? It does take a long time. And that's the thing too, is like, it does feel like there's often this like knee jerk reaction to if something doesn't work right away, that all of a sudden we're not seeing that person anymore or what have you. But it does take a long time to really find what your voice is, find what your place is amongst the broadcast as well in finding like, yeah, what, what your like purpose is in there. Um, what, is it like for you when you do find yourself in a bit of a situation where maybe you've said something about talent that they don't love and you're there trying to give the fan perspective, yet you're backstage in catering, hanging out with these people? How do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, there are points that you kind of got to duck and weave a little bit, you know, make yourself scarce after a show and <laughs> on to the next town. Bye. Yeah, exactly. And especially for somebody like me, maybe I'm not going to be around till the next pay-per-view. So if I can just skirt through this, maybe, you know, bygones be bygones the next time we see each other. Um, you know, I, I at, at, at early on, it was like I realized that 
some of the statements that I make could be impactful. So like after the show, I would try to find anybody that I had to find and go like, Hey, Twitter's blowing up. I said this thing. I, I hope it's okay. It's just part of the pre-show or commentary, whatever it was. And then after that happened, like a couple of times, <laughs> I, I was like, you know what? I got to find people before the show and let them know. <laughs> I might say this. Is it okay? I want you to know I respect you as an uh, athlete and an artist and a storyteller. Like, I love everyone who works here so much. I'm probably going to say this thing, though. That's definitely a better way to go around it rather than being like, ooh, I guess you're going to read about the thing that I said. Sorry. But yeah, as long as you can see that there's like a little foresight put into your reasoning and whatnot, what has been, who has um, kind of given you the hardest time with that? Bianca was actually like unreasonably cool with everything. <laughs> like yeah. she really, when I tell you that she is a professional above everyone she's incredible right like she, I that was probably the scariest one where I was like oh my god like I didn't that was the first time that like it trended like crazy and everybody it was catching a lot of yeah. a lot of attention and it was really harsh you know it was very severe you're eating your words now though so take that well, I was just you know I was just you know getting her motivated uh, you know, was, uh, yeah no it was I was wrong I was happy to be wrong in that uh instance but yeah, so that was one. But like, like when we were on main event together, you know, doing commentary. I mean, I don't think Dana Brooke was thrilled. Well, Dana Brooke gets kind of thrown um, to the wolves often on commentary, unfortunately. Yeah, I think she was mad at me for a while. But I know that now everything's cool because I was able eventually to find her and talk to her and be like, you know, I hope that this isn't something that you take personally. I don't consider it a personal attack but i understand that like you know nobody's in my head and i'm trying to be sensitive and blah 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 you know it's a fine line to walk i like to think that because people don't like me that if i say something negative about you people will disagree with me and therefore it will reflect positively on you <laughs> what a bullshit roundabout way <laughs> I'm being nice is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm so sad. I've never actually been there while you're having this conversation with the person. See, you have to understand here. This is good for you. <laughs> See, remember when I said part of the job is being a salesman? <laughs> you're going to thank me later. Put yeah. you over, baby. Trust me when I tell you, you're going to be a main eventing WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. Okay, so you and I were doing a um, main event together. Me, you, and Byron Saxton. What a soldier, huh? I love Byron Saxton. What an unsung hero. Unsung hero. Also, for sure, did the best um, stunner sell at WrestleMania, hands down. Perfection. Um, okay, what was your commentary experience like? Because my big takeaway from it, too, before I let you get into your spiel about it, was that you were supposed to be using very smart words, right? I don't know that many good words. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you this? Cole was like, use big words, get out your thesaurus and let's go. Yeah. Hey man, like you, this is what, and it's, you know, it's always the messenger or whatever, but I was like, okay. And you know, I mean, that's the, okay, whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you need. And so literally like this thesaurus app is still on my phone and I've learned a bunch of good words because of the experience. Like, that was a weird thing, right? Because it's like, up until that point, everything I had done was be yourself, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. Hey, start using SAT words. And I'm like, I didn't do that good on the verbal section of the SATs. Like, I don't know the words, you know? I mean, luckily, my dad, like, is obsessed with words and pronunciation and using words that people don't know so i mean i kind of oh what's his deal why is he into that is he like a teacher or something no he was a in his in his heyday he was a copywriter an advertising copywriter so he loves words and uh and he's a he's a traveled man so he likes he likes like pronouncing things wrong and then claiming that no no, no this is how you actually pronounce it Okay, interesting. I was just having a conversation before hopping on here about the pronunciation of I say chamomile, but it's supposed to be chamomile. And then some other people were throwing me a curveball by saying chamomile. Like nothing will get me on trouble on the internet, like responding to one of your tweets. So, I mean, because this is bringing me right back to Reese's Pieces Gate. Your rebuttal about spaghetti or puschetti, I was crying. 
Oh my God. I'm like sitting here like, I shouldn't be arguing with FTR on Twitter about Reese's Pieces. This isn't what I should be doing. I actually thought it was great. I mean, if there's going to be arguments on the internet, I'd rather it be that than some of the other bullshit that we normally see. Because I got so furious because they were like, people were literally like, if you don't say, if you are insistent on saying Reese's Pieces, it's because you're not fun at a party. And I'm like, you're an adult. You're not fun for talking like a baby. You know, Reese's Pieces is insane. It's fucking insane. It makes no sense. It's not a regional dialect. R-E-E-S-E spells Reese. P-I-E-C-E-S spells pieces. Reese's Pieces. Grow the fuck up. It's not Reese's Pieces. It's, uh, exactly. Grow the fuck up. Oh, my God. I was so I mean, I especially like this argument because you were on my side of the argument. So I could <laughs> I could kind of like regale in your uh, in your arguments. But good God. Anyways, back to your dad in big words and commentary. But yeah, so that's kind of the and like I know how annoying it is when he uses those words. So I got the assignment. Like what could be more annoying than, you know, Sam up there thinking his shit don't stink and using words that we don't understand. I'm like, yeah, actually, you know. That's a good call. I just wish I knew more words. But I was like, literally, I was like, okay. I was like thinking of observations to make, like, you know, when we find out what matches are going on. Because that's the other thing. Like, you, it's not like you can prep everything that you're going to say because you're reacting in live real time. So you kind of just have to think about like, okay, what observation might I make about this superstar? Okay, how can I tweak this word? How can I change that word? Like, how can I make this sound more obnoxious, I guess, without making it sound like I've prepared a sentence to say. I know. And it's like, that is really tricky. Like, how do you be like, okay, this is like Sesame Street. Here's my word of the day. And I'm going to try to get it in here in some capacity. And people know how I talk already. Like they hear me on my podcast. They hear me on the radio show. So it's like, I have to do it in a way where it feels very natural. Like I can't, I can't just start playing a character. Because, I mean, there's a lot of footage of me. <laughs> like, there's people know who I am. I remember feeling that way when I was getting my name change in WWE. And it was very much so like, here's your new name. And I was like, but I've already been on TV for like a bit. What do you mean? And they're like, we don't care. Tough titty. You're Renee Young now. I was like, okay, giddy up. Who's changing my Twitter handle? Let's go. You could be like Brett, who was a heel in Montreal. When we go back to Montreal, you can be Paquette, just in Montreal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, when you were getting that opportunity at commentary, were you, I mean, there's like professional version of you that has been talking and hosting and doing all these things for your majority of your like adult life. But there's also like wrestling fan of you. Was there, like, what part of you showed up to the job that day? It's all one thing, I think, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't do, like, I don't do, like, professional broadcasting jobs. Like, I don't have, like, you don't see me, like, and I don't think you ever will, like, hosting, like, I'm not Ryan Seacrest, right? Like, I'm not going to host. Yet. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I think maybe same with hair could have pulled it off. But, but, but you don't, you don't see me, like, like, I only really end up broadcasting about stuff that I'm a fan of or really feel passionately about anyway. So it's like, you know, I, 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 I feel like for sure the fan is who showed up. I mean, once there's a microphone in front of me, I, I kind of, by default, lean towards professionalism. But, yeah, I mean, I, there's no way. Like, that's that's the one thing about working with WWE is that from the first show it's like if this ends tomorrow it has to be okay because you did like you made it and with that in mind you've got to enjoy every second like you there you can't you can't not be 10 year old Sam who's like doing Monday Night Raw commentary into his talk boy like this is it like don't pretend like this isn't it don't pretend you're above it like, don't pretend this is something else. Like, this is it. Like, be that person. That's why you're here. And and so, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's like, I mean, if I'm hosting Talking Smack in Stanford, if I'm on commentary, if I'm doing a pre-show, it's like, no, this is, this is fanboy Sam living his dream every single time. 
that makes it more fun. And it kind of like takes the pressure off a bit of just like go in and do your thing. And I, I mean, does it take the pressure off or does it add more? I don't fucking know. Depends on the day, right? It, like- it does. It depends on the day. <laughs> depends on what the direction is. Depends on who's producing. It all depends. Which, by the way, I was doing a little research before um, we were going to do this episode with you. And I realized that you and Mike Mansuri, who we mentioned earlier, have the same birthday. Yes, yeah, September 6th, boys. That's cute. Yep, yep. We're going to, once he gets back to the States, we're only going to have joint parties. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, that's what, like literally anyone else listening to this. They're like, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's for the very niche audience that love both Sam and Mike Mansuri. And to see them celebrate the same birthday makes me very, is it same year too? No, I think, I think he might be a year younger. Little shit. Little shit. Yeah, um, yeah. He's a youngin. He's. I'm, I'm putting him under my wing, though. <laughs> Can I tell you what my favorite Sam Roberts content is? Yes. When Sam eats food that he doesn't like. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I mean, we're talking about Reese's Pieces, and people need to grow up. You and your palate need to figure it out. You had never eaten an egg sandwich before. I never eaten an egg before. So like, who cares? Sandwich scrambled, hard boiled, never. I just don't understand. I do, it sounds to me like you were like living in some like in like the jungle somewhere. <laughs> you didn't have access to these things. No eggs. What what other things were off the menu? What else there's a ton. Yeah, there was a whole season of uh YouTube content. I think uh, uh you would say the first season, but it's definitely the only season of annoying eater. Uh it was eggs Spaghetti, hamburger, uh, hot dog. There was avocado, apple pie. What do you eat? What is your favorite meal? All I eat, really, I eat chicken, I eat pizza. And I eat eggs now. And eggs. How do you like your eggs? I scramble them up in that cast iron. All right. Well, we're something good came out of Annoying Eater. Put a little cheese on there. Yeah, that's what I make for my kid now, a little cheesy egg. She loves it. The same way, baby eggs. (laughs) I eat my baby eggs, you know, they're good. (laughs) Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get up in there, make some money. You guys can choose from the money line and the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The app is so freaking easy to use. And when you win, you get paid real fast. And FanDuel Sportsbook has just launched in Ontario, Canada, my home province. Let's get after it. So to place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as knowledge travel set credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY for New York, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee and visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. How did you develop this relationship with Jim Norton? We're moving over to the Sirius XM world now. Um, what is, I don't know the backstory on you guys. How did you guys get together? How, like you guys have been together for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I've known Jim longer than uh, most people. Not, I mean- as long as I've known my wife, I've known Jim. I started interning. That was my first like gig was being an intern on the Opie and Anthony show on XM in 2005. And he was the third Mike at the time. It was Opie Anthony and Jim Norton was on the show. And I spent a long time at that show. I spent like, you know, I went from intern to associate producer to producer. That's where I met young Emilio for the first time as an intern oh. way, way back when. 
Bunch of cuties. A lot of great hair between the two of you, between you and Emilio. That's a hair heyday. Yeah, yeah. Back in the hair heyday. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting his peak now. Mine is past me. But um, yeah, I uh, yeah. So that's where I met him. And then, um, you know, we've always gotten along really well. And when I left Opie and Anthony, you know, after many years and started doing my own show, I would, you know, invite him on to do shows just to be a guest and hang out for the shows. And we always... We always got along. Anthony ended up getting fired uh, years and years and years later. Whoops, a daisy. Opie and Jim were doing a show together. Uh, neither one of them were uh, terribly happy doing a show with each other. So they said, uh, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. And Sirius was like, you know, we don't want to lose you, Jim, uh, but we think you should be doing a show with somebody. Like, what do you guys think? And, and then they called me and they were like, hey, what do you think about doing a show with Jim? This is when I was doing like, I was doing a solo show from like nine to midnight. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. That'd be super fun doing a show with Jim. That was six years ago. We uh, slid into the mornings together. It took us a few years, I think, to figure things out. But uh, yeah, it's been smooth sailing. It's funny how chemistry works like that too. And like getting a show up and running and like as much as something can be like, okay, cool. We've got something good here, but to like really get that like good sweet chemistry and the show's a breeze you kind of turn on the mics you you know you prep what you need to do but um what what all kind of went into you guys getting this great chemistry that you have I mean I I think number one we're both just kind of ourselves on the air so it's like we know each other we know our intentions we know who we are so we know we get along we know we like each other so you know, that's not really, we're not figuring that out so much. We were doing shows together for a couple years, I think, in my opinion. I've never talked to him about this, but I think like. Well, we've got him on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It took a good couple years of, of doing shows to, to really, until it really felt like it was natural. Like now, today, it's like the most natural thing in the world. Oh, I don't even real. neither one of us really like to talk to each other in the morning before we turn the mics on because inevitably it's like it's five minutes before the show and we end up kind of on a roll and both of us know like fuck like we should why are we why are we doing this like why like this is we're not going to be able to redo this so i mean it's literally just like we say good morning but other than that we just turn the mics on and and start the damn thing every morning what about when you shut the mics off then do you guys get to just hang out Yes, yeah, so when we shut the mics off, we 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 speak like friends or like on the weekend, he might come down. Maybe we'll go to Jersey Mike's. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll have a little dinner over a show vacation or something like that. Yeah, there's plenty of social interaction. It's just that little window right before the show starts. Magic hour. Don't touch it. Don't touch it until the red light's on. I'm with you on that. Nothing makes me more mad when you know you're in that moment. And you're like, we fucking blew it. We blew it because we started talking and now we're going to be playing catch up the rest of the show. Yeah, especially if he comes in pissed and I go like, I almost like look at the other guys in the studio, like don't ask, don't ask. And immediately, immediately the mics come on. I go, what's going on, bud? <laughs> <laughs> like damn, fucking Uber is a da 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 And it's like, yes, here we go. Why do you love working in radio? I'm newer to the radio world. I mean, aside from doing like the podcast and whatever, which I guess it kind of falls under that category, but it's not the same as like, you know, now I have my XM show with Misha Tate where we're on for, well, we just went down to two hours a day, which blessings and I thank God three hours is a long time. Yeah. And you got to get used to it, right? Like for me, that's what we do. We do three hours a day, but it's like, that's also what we're used to. Well, you know what I would say would make it different though, at least on my end, is if we did have what you guys have and we are in the studio together. That I think I could handle more than when I'm just home. I'm sitting here, I'm going, fuck, the laundry needs to be folded. I can hear the baby crying. Like that throws me off so much more that if I had that a lot of time and it's, you know, you're, especially when you are developing chemistry. I mean, we've been doing this show for just, oh, oh God, when did we start? I don't know, seven, eight months, something like that. Um, so it does take a long time to really get on that same page, but like even more so when you're doing it through Zoom and you're not able to be in the same space together. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, Zoom sucked. Like it was good at first, but we didn't even realize, I think, 
how much it sucked while it was happening. Cause it was at first it was like, Oh cool. We can just keep doing the show. This is great. And like for a one-off, like, you know, if I'm doing a WWE thing and it's easier to just jump on zoom and do the show from the hotel the next morning, like that's cool. But we went back in studio in July of almost a year ago, like almost a year ago, last July, we went back in studio for one day for Jim's birthday. And it was, and we had like a couple comedians in and we were just all sitting there having fun. And we realized immediately, like we have to get back into the studio and we have to get back in now. Um, and so, yeah. And so like within a couple of weeks, we were back in and, and yeah, we've been in since last summer going in every day. And it's like, it's definitely the way to go. Um, yeah. I mean, I really like radio because even more so, I mean, going back to how we started the conversation, as I'm sure you've experienced with your show on Sirius, it's like, because it's live and you know, you're going to do another show. It really is just like, leave it there. Like there's no, there's no editing. There's no anything. It's just leave it there. You know, I also, I also like that, like, with radio, especially when you have three hours, you have the room to just kind of weave and create and figure out where you're going. You don't have like in, in TV, you don't have to hit anything. You don't have to worry about where you're looking. You don't have to throw to something. There's no, like, even on serious, there's no commercial breaks. There's no ratings. There's no nothing. Like it's just pure. Let's hang out for the next three hours and, and, fuck around and see what sticks. I guess I like romanticize the idea of radio in my head very much. It's such like an old form of entertainment. Uh, and I, I love that it exists. And yeah, you're right. It is nice to just have that like room to breathe. You're not really married to any times. You don't have the commercial breaks. Like you can really just take that time to like hang out. And you're interacting with the audience in real time. Like, and it's, it's a direct connection. Like, I feel like on television, even when you're doing live TV, because of like all the stuff that goes into it, there's a, there's a gap between you and the audience. Like you're not really directly touching the audience because there's a, there's an executive producer and another producer and a guy on set and a guy in your ear. And it's like, you know, you're doing all this stuff. Whereas yeah. I feel like in radio, especially when you're like in studio, you really feel like you're directly connecting with the audience in real time. Um, and that's also, you know, that goes back to doing like solo shows. Like I feel like that's even more, there's even more of a, of an intimate connection when you figure out how to really just talk directly to the audience. Like when I was, when I was doing my solo show at nights, is this your lonely Fridays? I love that. I love that you do that. Lonely Fridays is great. That's on YouTube. But before Jim and Sam, Every night on Sirius, I was doing Sam Roberts' show from 9 to midnight. And I would open up those phones at like 10 or 11 p.m. That would be it, just connecting with the weirdos, like the biggest weirdos of the world. And you'd just be sitting there and like just having full-on conversations. Like you're not worried about like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? It's like, what are you doing tonight? What's got you on the road? You know what I mean? And you just meet like the most insane people but you you know you you everybody connects it's it just radio builds a, a amazing community you know sure no absolutely i mean when we have like our regular callers i really look forward to seeing their name pop up in the chat like all right let's bring on marco from waco what's he got to say today <laughs> he's the yeah. best i love that yeah um, exactly. You have done so many things and you have so many shows. I mean, from your serious XM shows to your shows that you're doing yourself, your podcast um, to um, you're ha having your show on Peacock. I mean, what an amazing thing. This like thing that you built is now on this like massive platform. What else do you want to do? What's like, what is your dream gig? I just like making stuff and, and, telling stories, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's it. Like, there's no, like my dream gigs are, 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 are like going to be that I create myself. Like there's no sort of space. I mean, look, if they call me up and they were like, Hey, we need our, you and Graves are going to be doing Monday night raw commentary. I'd be like, yeah, that's a dream gig. Right. But you know, I, well, I think it's a bit of a rough gig, but <laughs> yeah, that's... maybe it'll be a dream gig for you. Yeah, right. How would you know? <laughs> 
I'll tell you how that goes. (laughs) Yeah, start a podcast. Start a podcast. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, like that's like the Peacock Show is the perfect example. Like that happened over over the pandemic, luckily, and it was just like I didn't go to WWE and say hello. I would like to do like a Wayne's World for wrestling, and just may I have money and I'll do my own show for you. Like that'd be an insane request, but. They came to me and they were like, can you make a show for us? And I went, uh-huh. Done and done. I had so much creative freedom. It was just literally, okay, I'm going to do the show. Hot Dog's going to edit it. Love Hot Dog. Shout out to Hot Dog real quick. Shout out to Hot Dog. <laughs> you know, Hot Dog was in my notes, of course. got to bring up Hot Dog. <laughs> He's going to be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Like, I just like, I like, I like making stuff and and creating stuff and telling stories. So I just think, you know, doing that on higher and higher levels. Yeah, of course. That's always a dream, right? Yeah. As much as you can be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, let me, you know, give me the Ellen show. Give me blah, 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 whatever these things are. But like, obviously like Justin Timberlake's going to go do that or somebody else like to be able to create, create your own stuff and create your own value that other people are then able to see in, in you and just being able to be in the the creative driver's seat as much as there can be like more pressure with that. It's so much more satisfying when you actually nail something. Yeah. And I mean, I do better there. Like I don't do that well in like scenarios like the, like the Ellen show would be where there's like network pressure and Oh my God, I would be rotten. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds kind of horrible. Like one of my favorite things to do is to like do stuff with all these like WWE A&E biography pieces when they're just like, hey, can we come to your house and talk to you for a couple hours about Brett the Hitman Hart? I'm like, yeah, like you don't have to bring the cameras if you don't want to. We could just talk about Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's what I mean about like, you know, finding myself in a position where, you know, I get to try to help tell these stories and hopefully tell wrestling stories to non-wrestling audiences. Like to me, that's like, so awesome when I can convince people, you know, that aren't hardcore wrestling fans why Bret Hart or whoever it is, is the man and like what this story was and what that story was and why it goes, it resonates beyond wrestling. That's my favorite thing. Who is the favorite person that you've had come to your house and be in your studio? Because you have had some interesting ones. Yeah, I mean... I, I've, How I've, does that work even when you're like, can you come to my house and come do this? Like, what goes into that? Okay, so I'm very sensitive to the idea that a lot of wrestling is a weird industry. And I'm sure that, you know, there's a lot of crazy wrestling fans. And I'm sure a lot of wrestlers get requests of, like, fans going, like, can you come to my house? And they're like, no, that's no. so weird. <laughs> so, no, I, I always say, like, can you come to the studio? Here's where my studio is. I'll get you a car service. I'll get you at the airport, whatever. Like That's nice. You send a car service. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good for you. Oh, yeah. I've had, I mean, I got, I got, a, <laughs> I got a car service for Danhausen once, and uh, <laughs> I had to tell the driver, like, no, 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 it's not for me. It's for a guy named Danhausen. He'll be in, in like, vampire makeup. You'll see him outside the hotel. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, I... You'll find him. I try to do all that because I think it's important to, like, you know, to... to I mean, to, it's a real thing, right? So, uh, you know, I, I like, I had... Uh, before he was back in WWE, Bruce Pritchard was over here in the hot seat. That was a super fun one. Wait, when you get into the studio, do they have to, like, walk through your house to yeah. get down to it, or is there a separate... No. They do. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, so, like, those are that's those are my favorite things, right? The the interactions that nobody sees, like, like a car pulls up once to my driveway. Now I am picturing it like Wayne's World, like, when the um, producer, like, shows up. It's literally Wayne's <laughs> okay. World. A car pulls up to my driveway. Jeff Jarrett gets out. And I see, I'm watching him through the window, kind of, like, laughing to oh myself, my right? And cause I, cause I know the moment, right? It's like, it's like, oh no, this could be real creepy. I'm walking into a house. And then once you get downstairs and see it's a real studio, everything's cool. But like Jeff Jarrett, I can see him on his phone and he calls me. I'm like, hello. And he's like, Hey Sam, uh, I, I, I'm here at this address, but it, it's, it's a, it's a house. I'm like, come on in Jeff. And like, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's like, he's so confused, but then he comes downstairs. He sees I have food for him, whatever he needs. And then, we do the thing, um, like another Danhausen one. Danhausen and Effie, 
those interviews were both taped here on the same day, back to back. Okay. Um, that helped. Right. So, like, I had Effie down here doing the show, and then Effie and I were done. It's an incredible interview. Love Effie. He's so great. And then I, uh, I walked upstairs, and Danhausen is already at the house, and he's sitting in the living room with, like, a the cup of tea. The green room, you mean. In the green room <laughs> with a cup of tea on the sofa, having a conversation with my wife and my, at the time, four-year-old son in full gimmick, but, you know, speaking regularly. Like, oh, yeah, my wife does this, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, what, like, what kind of life... Is I like I have no idea how my kids are gonna reflect back on this. Like my favorite favorite one that I was able to pull off was a hundred percent getting Nick Cage here. Uh, that's I mean yes, give me some of the details of what went into getting Nick Cage to your house. So like I was working on it for a while. Me and John Carlo from uh, GCW, and I was doing stuff with AEW. He did stuff with WWE before. He's a genius artist, video guy. Um, but I'm like. He gets the creative thing. Like, he gets that, like, I go, yo, do you think we should get Gage over at my, you think we could get him to my studio here? And he's like, oh, my God, yes. And so we're, like, figuring out how to do this and stuff. And I'm like, look, I'll send a car, whatever. So I said, I'll get him food, whatever he wants. And he goes, oh, okay, I'm going to tell him that. And he goes, uh, he goes, okay, so I have to send a car basically to Philadelphia. Because <laughs> That's pretty much where he lives. I'm like, what? But I'm like, you know what? If he's willing to sit in a car for two and a half hours and make the drive, I don't mind paying for the car service. Like, that's that I, the easy part. And then he goes like, uh, I go, okay, and what can I get for him? And Giancarlo says, he says he wants chicken, rice, and broccoli. <laughs> I go, all right, all right. Let me, while you guys are driving, I'll find chicken, rice, and broccoli. And I found it. You know, there's like a, there's like a, a, a nutritionist, like, you know, bodybuilder, fitness restaurant, you know, type place near me. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicken, rice, and broccoli. So I got it for him and everything. And, and he came and he showed up and he was like, oh man, Sam, I, I appreciate this, man. You're the man. I'm a fan of yours. I'm so glad you, and he's like the sweetest guy. And, and he like, I bring him downstairs and I'm talking to him. And I like, I've known of him forever, you know, in like, I think probably 2009, 2010, I was doing commentary for Jersey All Pro Wrestling before he, you know, went to jail and I was, he was there. He's so scary. So then like, uh, I'm like sitting there and I can't even remember how it came up, but I like was angling towards, you know, becoming gang affiliated. And like, while we're recording, he was like, you know what? Shout outs to Sam. He got me chicken and broccoli. And anybody that fucks with Sam is fucking with me. And if you fucking with me, I'm coming at you and I'm bringing a weapon. And I was like, oh I was like, yes, yes. Louder and then like, for the people in the back. <laughs> and then I brought him upstairs and my wife was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because I told her like, oh yeah, he's famous for this and that. He like, you know, almost died in a death match and he robbed a bank and he did that. And she's like, he shouldn't what? be here. This is scary. This is, I go, no, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And I, I brought my son downstairs because I was like, I'm going to get a picture you of my have kid. To. Yes. My, my wife is like, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, of course, we got the picture. That's my new favorite pastime is getting pictures with Nora with people that you wouldn't expect to have a picture with a baby like Minoru Suzuki. Um, great moments. They're so like they're so great to have and like such cool memories. Yeah, like I've definitely become that person like backstage. I'm like, can you hold my baby for a quick second and like snap a, a little photo? It's great. I I love it. I did that when my son was really young. I haven't done as many with my daughter yet because you know, I mean, second she's, child. She, and she yeah right. And she, but she also just turned three, so we haven't been to that many places because most of her was COVID. But yeah, when my when my son was really little like one or less like we we brought him to a wwe house show and he was wearing like this like furry blue cookie monster onesie and there's a picture of him hysterically crying and shinsuke just holding him up trying to get him (laughs) (laughs) i actually think the first wrestler that i got a picture of with nora was big show it was like necessary had to perfect absolutely had to look at the look they're both 
same species. Can you believe it? Get real, right? I know. <laughs> it's just the sweetest, best thing. Um, what about getting the guy from the Danbury Thrashers to your house? Because that was very on point. I, w- I died when I saw you had him. I'm like, of course, Sam has somehow wrangled this guy to his house after the Netflix episode. AJ Galanti, yeah, yeah. AJ like, Galanti. I saw that he had done like a Zoom interview with Pat McAfee, so I was like, "Oh, he's out there." I was like, "Okay," and like Danbury's not that far from me. It's like you know, an hour or so, maybe a little more. But I was like, "I wonder if he's still in Danbury." Like, I got a because I was obsessed when the uh, Crime and Penalties documentary came out. Like, I followed the Danbury Trashers Twitter account, and then that account followed me right back. And I go, it's definitely AJ running this Twitter account. Like it's a hundred percent. And so I went, um, I just DM'd right away. I was like, Hey, my name's Sam Roberts. I do this and that. Um, but you know, I, I was a really big fan of the documentary and, um, I don't know if AJ is doing press right now, but blah, 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 and try to be real professional. Yo, bro, this is AJ. I know who you are. <laughs> I was like, AJ, get your ass over here. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. Whatever um, you need. What do you want? Chicken and broccoli? I got you. I got my place. Can I send you a car? He was like, no, I'll drive. I was like, great. Perfect. Oh, my God. So great. I love when stuff like that works out. It's great. But then, of course, my wife is also paranoid about that one. That was the one where I was like, isn't he connected to the mafia? I go, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Key buzzword here. Yeah. Um. All right, Sam, before I let you go... I would be remiss to not ask you about this um, Sasha Naomi situation. I don't really get into too much like actual, like usually we just like bullshit like we just did. Um, But I do find this whole situation really fascinating, especially, I mean, for people that are listening to this, we are recording this on Saturday after Friday, um, the announcement that they are, um, they're suspended indefinitely. Is that right? Yeah, they're going to do a tournament, they said, on on commentary. Pat had to sit there awkwardly. Well, I know. Did he ever, right? That was actually perfect that, like, just let Cole do the spiel and, you, like, oh, gosh. Yeah, I was really worried that Pat was going to try to be cute or say something. I was like, you don't do it. Don't I was do like, it. yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. I was like, yeah, no, he's smarter than that. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really nuts. Like, like, there's a lot of nutso things happening. You know, I think... I think there's a lot of speculation, like, you know, and that kind of drives me a little crazy that a lot of people are acting like very informed when I don't, I don't know anybody that actually is informed. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it seems like a really big deal the way this is being covered. Like this is, this is not because you would, I don't know, it's like the opposite of being swept under the rug, right? Yeah. To have like the press release statement go out during Monday Night Raw, right after whenever it went out, to it being addressed on SmackDown, to their merch no longer available on WWE.com. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's really nuts. I mean, personally, I'm bummed out because I love Sasha Banks and Naomi so much. I want to see them on television. But I've also like, you know, I mean... We got to be careful as fans that that we put too much on performers. Like I always feel like even if you really love what somebody's doing and you think it's a dream job, if they don't want to do it, like we as fans should be able to allow them to not do it anymore. Like they obviously have a very different perspective than we do. And I think at some point, you know, we've heard one side of the story. I'm sure at one point we will hear the other side of the story and be able to actually make some kind of assessment on everything that went on but yeah yeah I don't I definitely don't think we've heard the other side of the story that's my big takeaway from it as well where it's like okay we've very clearly heard one side of what's happened here and we've not heard a peep about the other side of the story and yeah I'm with you it's like if the pressure that is put on performers and yes, you use the word like dream job. And when you see what Sasha Banks has done in the professional wrestling world, you see somebody like Naomi as well, like just everything she's been able to do, the opportunities she's had in some like lack thereof of the opportunity she has not had. Um, it, it makes it very, very interesting to see kind of what's going to happen when that other shoe drops. I just, you know, I obviously want things to work out for everybody, um, I love Sasha. I love Naomi. Um, I love what they bring to the table. Obviously, I love them as performers. But 
yeah, if you feel like you got to take a stand, you feel like you got to take a stand and see what happens. Yeah. And, and like, of course, like generally speaking, you should not leave a show when the show is happening, right? Like you shouldn't do that, but that's a very general statement to make without knowing any specifics and not being in a person's head. Like these are human beings. So I'm very interested in hearing the perspective from the other side before, you know, making some kind of grand judgment call on it. Yeah, that's right. I'm just, I keep kind of like, yeah, just checking to see like, is there any more information here? Okay, still nothing. Then I'm just going to kind of continue minding my own business. You don't want to start sending texts and stuff because you don't want to be that like, there's just so many. I don't ever want someone to think that I'm trying to actually pry them for information rather than just like, I just want to like be a friend and check in, but I don't want you to think that I'm just like being nosy and like, you know, trying to figure stuff out on my own. I don't want to jump to any conclusions. What's this for your podcast? Like, no. 100%. Oh my God. No, it's true. Especially now that like, like doing my own show and having my podcast, like the, that's the last thing I want someone to think is I'm like, oh, give me the hot scoop. Like, no, absolutely not. Not happening. And you want to be like, hey, you know, whenever you need a place to talk, you, I, I would like to, like, you don't know how to say like, I, I would like as a, as a friend, I would I would offer you the platform of my show should you want it without being like, hey, you would do my show. Give me the dirt. And especially like this day and age where like that there's so many different situations like that where I'm like, should I just shut up and like wait and see if somebody wants to do the show? Because, like, yeah. Oh, God, it's such an awkward spot. You want to do my show? Uh, uh. Very rarely do that. But I tried to get the scoop from Cody. It did not work. <laughs> Damn it, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I, I sent Cody the old message ski as soon as that news was breaking. Hey, man, don't want to be that guy, but. He said no? Well, no, he just sent me back a picture of his kid and his dog and said, what news? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Ah, yeah, Carney. Well, Sam, it's been great getting to see you. I just hit my face on my microphone. I don't know if people heard that or not. Um, thanks for coming to hang out with me. Thanks for having me. This has been great. A big thank you to Sam Roberts for hanging out with me. This man is welcome on the show any damn time that he pleases. Any freaking time. Um, All right, guys. Thank you for hanging out. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. Thank you for supporting and subscribing and all those great things. We will be back uh, later in the week with some more great episodes. Um, Emilio and I popped in and did a little Q&A episode together. Just a couple pals hanging out, shooting shit, and reading some questions from the internet. Like I said, I've got Tony Storm hanging out with me on Thursday. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. This has been The Sessions. 